0: Hey, this is Mark Kassoff, and this is RPM 45. Jim Stafford is the singer-songwriter famous for unique 70s hits including Spiders and Snakes, Swamp Witch, My Girl Bill, and Wildwood Weed. His great sense of humor and charm led to success on a bunch of TV variety and talk shows, and even his own summer variety series, and a regular role on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. We talk about all of it. On this week's episode of RPM Forty Five, what my podcast is about is uh, people from the '60s, '70s, '80s who had top forty hits. So you yeah. definitely are one of those people. Yeah, I had four or five of them. You sure did, yeah. And I want to talk about yeah. them, but I want to talk about you too. Uh, you know, just uh, start out, maybe find out about how you got into this whole thing anyway.
1: Pretty much the whole deal was because of uh, my friend Kent Lavoy. Who recorded under the name of Lobo? Oh yeah. And Kent Lavoy came by one day, and this is how things can work out sometimes. It's so weird. He came by one day and was curious about whether or not I had been writing any songs or had anything I might want to record. And I had one thing that I kind of liked, but he didn't. It was called Someday Soon, and I think it sounded too much like other other songs. Uh, it was like. Someday soon you're going to hear me on the radio, some kind of a thing like that. He didn't much care for it. But I said, I have another song, a talking song, called The Swamp Witch. And he heard that, and he got very excited. And I was actually kind of surprised that he was excited about a talking song, a song without, without any singing in it really at all. But he liked it. And so he and his producer co-produced it. My first song, which was uh, The Swamp Witch. And it got into the top 40, but barely. It, it got to number 39
0: that's all right yeah
1: that, right that's what i said it counts <laughs> <laughs> it, it counts but that barely but then the next one was spiders and snakes which, which got to number three and uh i couldn't get past the way we were by barbara streisand which was number one and number two was Seasons in the Sun, I bet you remember that maybe oh, a long yes. time ago, though. Uh,
0: well, I was a Top 40 yeah. DJ back in those days, so I, I played your records yeah. and I had to play Seasons in the Sun. Yeah, that about yeah. drove me and crazy.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get past them. <laughs> spiders and Six was an idea by uh, uh, David Bellamy of the Bellamy Brothers. Dave wrote the part of Spiders and Six that I liked, which was just the first line of the chorus. I don't like Spiders and Six. I ain't what it takes but let me... I just took that one line and wrote, wrote my song around it. Oh. and I added, uh, uh, you fool, you fool, like I want to be loved by you. And, uh, and then I, I, I laid the story out. But I knew that just that part, I don't like spiders and snakes, and that ain't why it takes to look. I thought that that much was a hit record.
0: Well, you know, the hook so is I, everything, I to, right? I mean, you got to have that it, hook. Uh,
1: you ain't kidding. Right? And
0: that's a great hook, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is.
0: He gave you the hook, but you made it into a story.
1: Well, you, you're not going to believe this, but I worked hard on that song for three months, every day, because I couldn't solve it. I knew there was something great there, and I couldn't solve it. And, and the reason I couldn't solve it is because it was so damn simple. <laughs> 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 it was it, it was so simple it evaded me. But when I, when I did get it, finally get it straightened out, I was pretty sure that was a hit record. And I got to give all the credit to Dave. Because the thing that really set the hook was, I don't like spiders and snakes, and that ain't what it takes to love me. And he wrote all of that.
0: You share songwriting credit then on that song, the two of you, is that it?
1: That's right. I think we both had a serious contribution, too. I, I, I was very proud of the way that song came out. Well,
0: absolutely. I heard you sold uh, over two million records.
1: Well, back in the day, it was about two and a half.
0: Two and a half million, that's like uh, platinum, right? Well,
1: I don't think so. I did get a gold record for it, but that's all I got. Oh, I think you got cheated. (laughs) Get that platinum. I I may have, you know. (laughs) Listen, you can get cheated better than you can get cheated in the record business. (laughs) Uh,
0: I've I've been told that, I've learned that. I've been been talking to a lot of people and I get that story over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, if you want your money in the record business, you're gonna have to sue somebody.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that. Your songs all yeah. tell stories, at least the, they, I'm talking about the hits because those are the ones I know. And they all tell stories, right. and they all they're all have a little twist to them, you know? I mean, they're, they're funny or they're, they're, they're interesting. You know, you wrote some really interesting stuff. Um, now, the follow-up to Spiders and Snakes was My Girl Bill. Right. And let me ask you this. Did you get any pushback on that from people at all?
1: Uh, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I got pushed back on everything I ever recorded. Really? Yeah. Yeah. that Fighters of Snakes was about to be taking advantage of some little girl. Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> and the Swamp Witch was, uh, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, too, too scary, uh, uh, to, to be a, a, a hit, uh, a, a, a record. And, uh, uh, and there was no singing in it. And, uh, and my girl Bill was—they uh, uh, thought it was some kind of uh, uh, somebody was upset about it. That instead of being a, just kind of a mistake, it was supposed to be—you uh, know—was was I singing a gay record, or what was I doing? You know. Yeah. And of course, I was just—I was just having fun with this kind of a misplaced uh, little deal there. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. Uh, sure. She's my girl Bill, as opposed to she's my girl Bill. <laughs>
1: exactly. So it was just—you know it was one of the little things. So I never paid much attention to any of that. It was never serious. You know, somebody, there's always going to be somebody that has something to say about almost anything you do. I, I never got into anything of any consequence. I put it that way. Well, never.
0: When you were younger, did you think that you were going to do this for your whole career? Was this your goal all along?
1: Oh, I had no idea. You know, I was trying to write songs and uh, I, I didn't know much about it. The thing that I found out about the record business was that back in the day, if you didn't have some juice, you probably weren't going to get anywhere. In other words, you had to have enablers, producers, record companies that were able to get records out to stations and call them up every day and day. Can't you play our song? Blah, blah, blah. And that was just a constant thing. You know, you, 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 there were people in offices calling all day, every day, checking on where the song is and and, uh, and, and if people are playing it and and, and, and i don't know about any of the other stuff i don't know anything about uh payola that there was always uh, talk about that in, the, in those days all but as a as an artist i wasn't in inside that thing the only part about that was uh you know being on the phone or talking and uh, to people and saying hi uh, to djs and stuff like that yeah. and uh i did i did some of that you know and in fact, they set me down some uh, occasionally and, and I had a list of people I needed to call and say hello to. And uh, I didn't mind that. matter of fact, I, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And so it was a nice little run, and it allowed me to get a summer series. And I went on, and I was the head writer of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. So I had a lot of fun doing stuff like that. I wound up doing a, a show called Those Amazing Animals with uh, Priscilla Presley and Burgess Meredith. And so I, I had uh, some television exposure. I did 26 uh, Carson shows. Wow! You know, and then and then all the others. You know, of uh, 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 Mike Douglas, of uh, 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 Griffin, and all all the shows we used to have like that, in, and back in the day. Even Dinah, I did quite often.
0: You did Dinah quite often. I, I'm not sure you want to say it quite well, that way.
1: Well, okay. Now listen. <laughs> you know what? That's your problem, see You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get out of that and, and start thinking like the rest
0: of us. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry let's talk about your records though i want to talk about one more tell me about wildwood
1: weed okay wildwood weed was a song that i did some writing on but not much most everything on on wildwood weed was already up up there and all the good jokes were already there and it was written by don bowman and don bowman was a a, a comedian a a comic country guy who wrote uh, parodies and funny songs and he wrote uh, The Wildwood Weed.
0: Yeah, it's a fun song. And it also it reached number seven. I mean, it did really well.
1: Yeah, that was a, a top ten record. And I think Don Bowman wrote that song during a time when people might not play it so much. You know what I mean? Because it was that, about that evil weed.
0: More controversy, and, uh, yeah.
1: I, I couldn't tell you honestly if they even tried, if they even released it. I, I really don't even know. Oh,
0: I can tell but you. I, I was a oh. DJ, and I was one of those guys that they were calling all the time trying to get their records on. We well, played it a lot. That was not an issue at all.
1: That's good to hear. I, I, I know it did well, and it still gets a, a great reaction, you know. And all these years later, when I'm do at my concerts, it, uh, people seem to remember and like it.
0: So let me ask you about your recording career. Some people describe you as a country artist. You sound country to me. And, and yet, your hits are all top 40 pop hits. And right. in country, right. you know, if I look at the performance of your songs in country, none of them really were top 40. Why is that?
1: Well, uh, I never had a, a lot of uh, luck in country music. I, I don't really even remember what I specifically released to the country stations and so forth. Uh I I don't remember having too much success in that area. Like you said, my songs were pretty much all pop records and scored in the pop field. And so uh, I I don't have anything against country music. I like it just fine. I just haven't really connected too much in in that area. Uh And also, I must say that uh, after I've done what I did and I've been uh, out and around quite a bit and I wound up uh, doing some shows in Branson, The Roy Clark Theater used to be there, and and a lot of us would come in. Everybody would go in for like three days, so he'd have two or three acts in one week. And so everybody that came to that theater looked around that town and said, my gosh, this is uh, where all the country people come to see a show. If I play here, I don't have to go to them. They'll come to me. And so all of a sudden, you got Boxcar Willie and Roy Clark and Wayne Newton and Andy Williams and Tony Orlando all piling into Branson we had probably, I would guess, a 30-year run of bumper-to-bumper traffic of uh, people coming to Branson to see shows.
0: Uh-huh. And there
1: was quite a few theaters all over the place. And you've got and, one, uh, right? Yeah, I have, yeah, the Jim Sepper Theater. I, I got one little uh, run that I did that I'll tell you about that kind of gives you an idea of how many people were coming to Branson. My theater seated uh, 800 people, and uh, I did two shows a day, seven days a week, all sold out. For 13 years.
0: Oh my God. Wow. Gotta to be tough working yeah, seven days a week, though.
1: That when you're doing something like that and it's working really well and all, you don't think about it. It's just too much fun. It's just way too much fun to think about because you're just doing shows all the time and trying to work on new material and recording things and making videos. It was uh, wild and woolly in Branson for a long time. And now it's just kind of settled in a little bit. I'm not saying it's, it's not busy anymore. It's, it's doing uh, quite well. and and uh, adding new shows and, and, and new attractions.
0: Now, do you live there year-round?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been in, here in Branson now for a, a pretty, I don't even know how long, but I, I think it's probably 25, 30 years. Okay. It's been a pretty good, a pretty good while.
0: So I want to talk about a little uh, bit more about your TV, because you did a lot of TV. I read somewhere this morning that you were on The Love Boat.
1: Yeah, I did I did uh, three of, of The Love Boats. Three
0: Love Boats, wow. And, uh, Okay. Yeah, so
1: what happens is you kind of make the rounds, you know, back in those days. If you if you get a little popularity, you know, you kind of get a, a little bit in demand. And so I did some love boats. I did a couple of Fantasy Islands. Oh, I, I was yeah I was a fantasy. Can you believe it? And
0: so, <laughs> I well, do. Why not?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're a good looking yeah, guy. I can, I can say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did BJ and the Bear. I had Cow Paddy and myself uh, doing a a little bit in in the Clint Eastwood movie, in any which way you can. So so I did some some things like that, you know. That was all uh, pre-Branson. How'd you like Hollywood? Oh, I loved it. As a matter of fact, the last three years I was out there before I uh, wound up in Branson, I lived in Malibu. Uh, That was probably... As cool as anything I had ever had an opportunity to be a part of. I bet. It was just living out there in that place. And Burgess Meredith was down the street. And Don Rickles lived on the same street. And, and uh, you know, there they, they they were just celebrities were all over them. I'd see Chris Chris Christopherson go running by. What uh, they uh, One guy that was jogging on my street was the guy who wrote all the socks for the Beach Boys. I just flossed his name for a second.
0: Brian Wilson?
1: Uh, Yeah, 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 Brian Wilson. He was jogging? He was jogging, yeah. You just bump into people like that out there because it's a magnet. But I got to tell you, the one thing I should have done was buy a house out there.
0: Oh, yeah. Because
1: houses that were, like, even expensive, you know, like a house that might have been a million dollars out there, you know? It's like $20 now. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The houses just didn't get more expensive. They just got completely out of control. The ones on the beach.
0: Oh, wow. What a life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I was I was there three years, and uh, it was just magical. You know, it, it just that's all I can say, just to be there. And you, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, walk out on your deck, and you say, "Oh my God, the Pacific Ocean!" I've never got used to it, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was overwhelming when I got there, and it was overwhelming the last day I was there.
0: Of yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Did you go to all those wild Hollywood parties and all that stuff?
1: Well, I didn't see too many that that I thought were. Wild or anything, I mean, I, I, I went to some parties, and uh, yeah, and I got to meet people at those parties. I got to meet a, a, a guy that I was always a fan of uh, at, a, at a Hollywood party, I met Edgar Bergen. Oh, wow. And, and you remember him? Sure. He had a little, little puppet named uh, Charlie McCarthy. Right. Edgar Bergen and, and Charlie McCarthy. The girl that was that's a big uh, actress was his daughter.
0: Yeah, right, Candace Bergen, right. sure.
1: I, I think she had a bedroom in their house beside Charlie McCarthy, he had a Patrilcus puppet that had his own bedroom.
0: Oh, no, that's a little crazy. Well, I, that's,
1: that's probably all I want to say about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I appreciate you spending the time with me. Uh, anything well, I don't know
1: why I'm pulling, I'm pulling these little pieces I kind of remember from back then, but I've enjoyed a, a, a re-remembering some of this stuff. So you, this was very pleasant for me.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Hey, listen, you've, you've done some great stuff. I mean... The, the the music, the movies, the TV. I mean, you know, you've had a hell of well, a career. I, I look back
1: on those things and I say, God, I was a lucky boy.
0: You got to be lucky, and you got to be talented too.
1: You damn sure have to be lucky, brother. You said it. No matter, you know, there's no telling who's out there right now that just didn't get the chance, or or maybe people out there that are about to get the chance. There is no question. I don't care who it is. They had to have some sort of luck if they had any success.
0: So I have one more question for you. Uh, I heard you describe okay. yourself as shy.
1: Uh, yes, I, I think that that's one of the reasons that me and probably a number of other people get into show business because we, we, we want to fight that, you know, and so, and then you, so you have to say, well, well you know, I, 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 I got to learn how to do something if I'm going to try to you know, overcome my shyness and all. And so I practice with my guitar and try to figure out how to do little songs and all of that. And I think a lot of it came from trying to get over being afraid of of audiences and being being scared to be out there. Uh, You know, you may have heard this. uh, I've heard that the fear of public speaking is stronger than the fear of death. Yes. For a person that's died out there a few times, I've had it both ways. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been a a wonderful experience for me.
0: Well, hey, it's been wonderful being on the other side of it, too. I've enjoyed your work.
1: Thank you. I I appreciate uh, having an opportunity to...
0: To chat about it. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks to Jim Stafford. Nice guy. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another talk with a hit maker from the 60s, 70s, or 80s on RPM 45.